This time of year, we are going to be hearing and seeing a lot about the birth of Jesus. There's going to be nativity scenes uh, wherever you look. Um, there's going to be festivals. There's going to be pageants. There's going to be a lot of attention put on the birth of Christ. And in reality, in, in the Bible, we do not know uh, when our Lord was born. Now, a lot of people say, well, we always celebrate it in December. Well, man has chosen to celebrate the birth of Christ in December by no authority of the Bible. And that comes sometimes to a shock to some people, especially one who has never really studied the Bible or grew up in the Lord's church or whatever the case may be. But based on biblical evidence, we do know that, that uh, when you put the timelines down uh, the way they, they're mentioned in the Bible, that he was not born in the winter, much less December. Um, and we, we see that this time of year. And number one, uh, there's no explicit command in the Bible for us to celebrate um, festivals, pageants, other things concerning the birth of Christ. Now I'll tell you what you will see. You will find in the Bible that members of the Lord's church, the church of Christ, that we read about in the Bible, you will find that group of people partaking of the Lord's Supper each first day of the week in celebration, if you, for a lack of term, of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. You will find that biblical evidence in coming together, again, not to celebrate the birth, but again, the death of our Lord. In saying all of that, I do say this. I understand the thought that it's a good thing when we talk about Jesus. I understand that. And when the world chooses to bring about Jesus, because most of the time they don't. But the problem that we can find with this is that it's more than one time a year. It's more than just December. Christianity is a whole lot more than just the baby Jesus. And we need to understand as Christians that we should never believe and teach these things that our denominational friends are teaching that is okay. And we need to teach our children that it's not okay. 
And in seeing that and making that note, I asked the question. One would say, well, it's a great thing. It is a good thing. Don't, don't, again, remember that statement. But would we teach our children that it's okay to use musical instruments in the church just because the denominational in the world believes it's okay? Would we teach our children that you don't have to be baptized to be saved just because it's a good thing and the world believes that. So we have to take these things and, and, and again, see what the Bible says. And again, we should never go along with the world on these matters just to keep down conflict in every situation. This morning, I want us to think along these lines, going beyond the birth of Jesus. Going beyond that. A lot of people want that baby Jesus. They want that baby Jesus in swaddling clothing that there was no room in the inn and he was laid in a manger and the shepherds came and they even want to say there was just three of them. We have no biblical evidence of that. But they want that baby Jesus. But a lot of people do not want to go beyond that baby Jesus, the one who can't talk, the one who can't teach, the one who can't take a firm stance against religious error, or the one who died and is raised and resurrected upon the third day. A lot of people do not want that type of Jesus. Let me suggest to you this morning that no one has ever been born like Jesus. In Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 14, it was read just a moment ago. We see there the birth of Jesus is one of the most amazing events to occur in the history of the world. He was not conceived physically like you and I are through man and woman. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. A virgin, one who had never known a man. And there's never been another birth like that. It was miraculous. And you go into the book of Matthew in chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Her husband wanted to put her away. Joseph wanted to put her away because he didn't fully understand. He thought that she had known another man. You skip down to verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You see, young people and older people alike, there are people in our secular world that wants to say that Jesus was not born of a virgin, but he was. You just heard it from the Bible. And we need to be educating ourselves to understand this thing. 
And we need to understand the miraculous part that it was announced in Luke 2 and 8 through 14. Powerful heavenly beings, if you remember, told the shepherds in the field that Jesus was born. And then these angels were seen praising God and celebrating and expressing great joy because they knew that Jesus had come into the world to bring spiritual peace. And when you go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we see while the angels and the shepherds celebrated the birth of Jesus, it angered Satan. Herod, the king of Judea, did not celebrate. Since he viewed Jesus as a threat to his rule, he ordered, if you remember, the murder of innocent children throughout Bethlehem in effort to destroy that, that Jesus. You see, Herod was a victorious worker of Satan. And this miraculous event, it, it noted or marked the arrival of God. When you go to Matthew chapter 1 and 22 and 23, it marked the, 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 the uh, coming of God and the arrival of God in the flesh. Matthew 1 and 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child. It fulfilled the prophecy. It brought God in the flesh down to the earth. Jesus was God among men. He left the realm of eternity to be born of a woman and live among his creation. Now, while the birth story of Jesus is certainly biblical, it does not tell the whole story of Jesus. It does not tell us things about Jesus that challenge and test our love and our devotion to him. So this morning, I want to challenge you to go beyond the birth of Jesus. This Jesus that we are talking about is the Jesus who preaches. You see, people today want to have a, a little play or a little nativity scene outside once a year and then go on their merrily little way that I have acknowledged Jesus and his birth. And I am a Christian. You see, all they're concerned with is the baby Jesus. The one who can't talk yet. The one who can't preach. The one who can't uh, challenge them on the things that are wrong in the world. But this Jesus who preaches, he preached a message of repentance. In Matthew 4 and verse 17, notice what the scripture says. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, this Jesus 
that, that was born in, in swaddling clothing and, and, and all this cuteness and the greatness and all that's great. And we're going to have some, we're going to have some new babies here soon. And everybody's going to say, oh, how cute. And how, oh, look how they look like their mama or their dad. They you know they don't look like their mama and dad. They don't develop those features till later on, to be honest with you. Now, they might have a big nose or big ears or something. But we're going to take and we're, are y'all awake this morning? Y'all look at me, at me like I got ten heads. And some of you ain't even got your eyes open. Are y'all awake? Y'all got your Bibles, right? Because I don't hear any pages turning. Y'all just sitting there like little mummies. Everybody wake up. Okay? But this was a Jesus who taught repentance. He says, repent. For the kingdom is at hand. You see, repentance requires turning from sin. It requires godly sorrow and reformation. Here is, a, here is a, that baby Jesus at 30 years old, and he's telling people to repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Turn from your ways. You see, this cute little Jesus that was born that people celebrate every year is now grown up and he's telling people you're wrong and you need to repent. You see, people don't want to hear that part. People don't want to hear turn from your ways. People don't want to hear from Jesus that if you're not a Christian, you can't go to heaven. If you're not baptized for the mission of your sins and you devote yourself to Christ and to his cause, you can't go. They don't want to hear that. But they will accept the baby Jesus. Oh, yeah. The same Jesus in the book of Matthew in chapter 5 in verses 21 through 28. Sermon on the Mount. This same baby Jesus grew up to create a sermon that, that, that covers three chapters, five, six, and seven, in the book of Matthew. And he preached in the, in the sermon, in this sermon against slander about talking about people, the same baby Jesus. He talked about revenge, not getting revenge against those who have wronged you. He talked about lust in your heart and your eyes. He talked about adultery, unlawful divorce, promise breaking and the hatred of enemies. The same Jesus. The same little one that we celebrate every year, people do. But no one goes to go beyond the nativity scene. Most, I'll put it that way. You see, he preached about... <clears throat> he preached about genuine and authentic discipleship. You go to the book of Luke in chapter 9 and verse 23. 
Notice what our Lord says here. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. This same baby Jesus is now grown up. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That same baby Jesus. He talks about genuine and authentic discipleship. Now, preacher, you're telling me that I've got to put my will aside? That's exactly what I'm telling you. You've got to put your wants your desires, the things that mean the most important to you, you've got to put those things away and follow Jesus. If you want to be an authentic, genuine Christian this morning, you have got to put those things aside. You're telling me I've got to put, put aside all the things that I do on the weekend and, and, and come to services? Yes, I am. If you want to be authentic, yes. But now, if you're one who really gets into this nativity and baby Jesus thing, now baby Jesus didn't tell you that. He just says, oh, look at me. Oh, he was the savior of mankind. He was the one who grew up and gave himself for the whole world. Yes, he did. But there's a lot more to that. This Jesus preached about forgiveness and reconciliation. When you go to the book of Luke again, turn on over to chapter 17. And look what our Lord says in verses 1 through 4. He said, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses um, or stumbling should come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him to have a millstone or hanged about his neck and cast in the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespasses against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to him, saying, I will repent, thou shalt forgive him. Oh, preacher, you're telling me that I've got to forget and forgive those people who have been mean to me? Those people who have hurt my feelings? Those people who have lashed out at me? Those people who have, who have really went against me in all matters and, and have made me look like a fool? You're telling me I've got to forgive them? No, I didn't tell you. The 30-year-old Jesus, Jesus did. Now the baby Jesus, if that's as far as you go, you'll never get into that. You'll never get into it. But yes, this Jesus preached forgiveness and reconciliation. Obeying this commandment can be extremely difficult. I understand. I'm human too. But did Jesus say, I have to forgive them if they don't ask or said a bad thing? No. He said you've got to forgive them. Now, it's impossible to forget. It's impossible to get it out of here, okay? But we've got to forgive and forget. This same Jesus 
His words are not merely suggestions. They're not just wise sayings. Well, that's a pretty wise saying, someone might say. Well, they're more than just wise sayings. They're our Lord. They're our, that baby Jesus that grew up, that was conceived uh, through the Holy Ghost and, and, and something that was not natural but supernatural. Things beyond our means. They are words that will serve as the standard by which God will judge us. John chapter 12 and verse 48. Some of you are not going to open your Bible, so I'm going to read it to you. Verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath come one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. Written in red, Jesus said it. If Jesus said it, we have to do it. He says, what I've said is what I'm going to use to judge you in the last day. When our life is over, when we stand before God, what is written in this book will judge and will seal your destiny. What is written right here. Not what Matthew said. Not what Brother Jimmy said. Not what Brother James said. Not what Brother Larry said. What he said. This will judge you. Now, many of you have taken many important tests in your life. You've maybe taken tests to get into a master's program. You've maybe taken tests to get your master's degree. I'm facing a couple tests, three tests actually, pretty soon. That test is going to judge my ability, my knowledge, what I have done through the time that I've been in this program. So let's say this morning you're in a program. You're in a program of being a Christian or becoming a Christian. You're in the program of being a, a human being on this earth. And, and you need to find the truth because you will live eternally somewhere. There, there's life after this life. And this same Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny himself. You see, the first thing you've got to do to become a Christian is deny yourself. Deny what I want to do. So if I'm going to be judged by this material or this textbook, I have a good friend who, who became a lawyer and he had to take um, the bar, I think it's called it the bar, the bar or something, but anyway, he had to take it. He didn't even come to church camp that year because he was somehow studying for this. Top in his class, like number two, number three or something. All right. He had a certain textbook. He had a certain amount of passages, things he had to read and study. Passages that he had to read. That if in that passage was going to tell him the answer to that question, 
You see, we have a set of scriptures and passages that tells us where we can go one or two places and how to get to those places. You see, the, the Bible tells you how to go to hell. <laughs> Don't do this and you'll go to hell. Do this and you go to hell. It's that simple. So why would I not take the literature or the material that someone has given me when the Lord says these words are going to judge you, why do I would not take this sincerely and say that if I'm not baptized and become a Christian and if I'm not an authentic disciple and Christian, I can't go to heaven. Why would I not, why would I not listen to that? You see, you have to be honest with yourself and sincerely ask yourself that question. But the Jesus who preaches, number one. Number two, the Jesus who takes a firm stance against religious error. Our Lord doesn't just sit back. If he was here today, what do you think our Lord would say about a lot of things that are going on? Now, I ain't talking about just the murders. <laughs> As we often say, those bad sins. What would he say? What would he say about you? If Jesus were here today and he asked you, are you an authentic Christian? Are you a Christian? Are, are you, have, you put, have you put me on in baptism? Have you come in contact with the blood of Christ? Now I'm going to tell you, you go back and read John 12 and 48, and I said those words, and, and I, that's what I meant. I think it might change a lot of us, wouldn't it? He stood against corruption being promoted in the temple. In John chapter 2, verses 13 and 17. The corrupt business that was going on in selling things in the temple, in the place of worship. He says, you don't do those things. He got so mad that he, that he took and, and, and made a scourge and, and, and he flipped over tables, didn't he? He was angry. This is that same baby Jesus now. The one who everybody wants to be a part of between now and the 25th of December. He exposed the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees. Matthew 23 and 13 through 33. In those verses, at least seven times, at least seven times, he calls them hypocrites. He says, you hypocrites. Another word we could say, you fraud. You're frauds. You're make-believe. You're pretenders. You say this, but you do this. The outside of your cup is really shiny and sparkly, but the inside is filthy. You see, we, we find ourselves in that situation. A lot of people do. Today. Oh, my outside looks good. Oh, everybody, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living the life. I'm a good person. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't do all these things. I ain't murdered nobody. I hadn't done this. I hadn't done that. And boy, I, but you're lacking one thing. And that's the blood of Christ. If you're not a Christian, you can be the best moral person there is in the whole world but miss heaven. 
And you see, our Jesus exposes that. He's exposing us this morning. He's saying if your cup is filthy on the inside, but you look good on the outside, he says you're lost. You're a hypocrite. You're a fraud. You're not genuine. And why people want to pretend to be that, the only reason I can figure it out is because they want to please men. It's the only thing I can figure out. Why people, why people pretend to be a Christian? I'm going to tell you what, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I wasn't going to give no more than some folks give, I wouldn't even give anything. I wouldn't give anything. Some people want to pretend. They want to show up every now and then. They want to do this. They want to do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, even, do, I wouldn't even do that. I'd feel more guilty going and standing for the Lord doing that than I would just not coming at all or whatever the case may be. You see, this same baby Jesus says that you're living in error. He exposed their hypocrisy. You see, in all this I've said this morning, when we, do, when we refuse to go no further than the nativity scene in December, we don't understand everything else I've said. We don't. And that's the sad part. The world has lulled us into the thought of, oh, if you'll do this one time a year, one time a year, and participate in this and participate in that, that you're okay. No, you're not. You see... In Matthew 15 and 1 through 9, he preached against putting man-made rules and traditions on the same level as God's law. In Matthew 15 and 1 and 9, he, he says, you can't put man-made rules above mine or your traditions. The way, you know, the, the, the people there, the, the Pharisees, all they were talking about, well, your, your disciples are eating with unwashing hands and, and, and they're doing all this. And, and what was happening is, is the people were uh, not taking and, and taking care of their mothers and fathers like they should and all those things. But he throws all of that in here He says you can't make your own rules and traditions. He didn't say the word of God. He, said, he didn't say you're taking the word of God and doing these things. He said you're taking your own ways, your own traditions. What mom and daddy did, what grandma did. But he was exposing their hypocrisy. Do we want the Jesus who challenged us to avoid corrupt religious practices and avoid inclinations to engage in hypocritical behavior? You see, this morning, tradition sets us at a manger. Tradition sets us at a nativity scene. But the word of God says nothing about observing the birth. But it did say to observe his death, burial, and resurrection.
every first day of the week. The last point. We've seen that Jesus who preaches, the Jesus who takes a firm stance against religious error, the Jesus who dies and is raised is a third one. He came into this world to die for the sins of the world. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, Paul writes, I declare unto you that the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, for by which you also are, ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I received, how Christ died, what? For our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was rose, and that again on the third day, according to the scriptures. You see, that's what we celebrate. That's what we remember each first day of the week. And it's not just one time a year. But now if we're willing to go beyond that baby Jesus, this is where we'll find ourselves. But if we're not, we'll continue to find ourselves on the lesser end. His death emphasizes the seriousness of sin and our inability to save our own souls. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, the scripture says that he was born for a specific purpose. To save the sins of all of mankind. In conclusion, are you willing to accept all of what the gospel reveals about Jesus? This lesson was meant to challenge you this morning to go beyond the birth of Jesus. Jesus came in the world to die for my sins and your sins. And let me tell you something, folks. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, on wash day, you and I are going to need Jesus to get to heaven. It's that simple. If you don't have Jesus in the blood of Christ and you've not been baptized and you're not living faithful and you're not a genuine person in, in Christianity, at the end of the day, you're going to be disappointed. Are you only going to accept this baby Jesus that you're going to see so much about this time of year? The mass majority... Do not accept Jesus. And the most, pretty much that same group that do not accept Jesus, I say all of that group, they don't accept what he says about baptism. They don't accept what he says about baptism. It's that simple. They don't accept the fact they don't, they don't believe that Mark 16 and 16 says what it really says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. You see, a lot of folks haven't accepted that. 
Now, I'm going to tell you one thing we have accepted. Now, there's not a person in this room, I don't care who you are, how old, well, how old might be a thing, but whatever you grew up in, you believe there's a God and you believe there's a Jesus and you believe that Jesus is coming back one day, you believe that. We've accepted it emotionally, but we've not accepted it intellectually. And what I mean by that is we truly don't believe, if we did, anybody sitting in this audience this morning who was not a Christian will respond and become a Christian and live faithful if they truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming back and that we're going to stand before God one day and he's going to look and see, are you covered by the blood of Christ? If you're not, there's no need to go any further. You're out. But then he's going to look and he's going to say, well, you're covered by the blood of Christ. And he's going to say, well, did you live faithfully? Hmm. And I'm afraid he's going to look at some of us and say, you're out. You see, you have a choice this morning. They don't accept what it says about baptism. They don't accept about the church. Matthew 16 and 18, our Lord said, upon this rock I will build my church. Folks, there's only one church. One church. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. The same baby Jesus that most of the law folks are going to celebrate right now during this time of year. He grew up and he said, I've got one church. And you've got to be a part of it. And you've got to be faithful if you want to go to heaven. See, a lot of them don't accept that. What are you going to accept this morning? Are you going to accept Jesus and what he says? Or are you going to stick with the baby Jesus that's all cute and warm? And What are you going to accept this morning? Accept Christ. If you can imagine this morning Jesus standing here with his hand out and saying, give me all of your care. Give me all of your worries. Give me all of your sins. And I will save you. And you have hope of eternal life if you live faithful. Would that move you? Think about the condition of your soul and where you will live eternally. Jason, get ready. We're fixing this thing. Take the Lord by the hand this morning. Think a song that says, trust and obey. Will you trust in Jesus? Will you obey him? Or are you just going to trust in the nativity scene this year? What are you going to do? This morning, whatever way can help you to study with you, to help you learn the truth, to help you become a Christian. Because there's some things that has to be done. You have to study and you have to know and you have to understand some things before. You just can't walk up and say, hey, I want to be baptized. There has to be some uh, things pre to that. If we need to study with you, we will. If we need to pray with you, we will. Maybe you're not faithful. and You need to be. Maybe you need to come home. Whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand. And as